You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. I want to read three texts from the Bible and then offer three short points on on these texts. And so, again, listen to the words. This first one is from Exodus. This is the story where Moses asked to see the glory of God. And it's a few verses. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, everybody say passes by. As my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by you. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And then in Mark chapter 6, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, when he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. The disciples were alone in the boat. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Has anybody felt in life like the wind was against you a little bit? I have. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them. Remember, he wanted to pass by. But he saw that they were misunderstanding who he was, so he stopped and spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And what did he do? He got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And then today's text, those were two, but today's other text. Jesus entered Jericho and was what? Passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to what? Pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must what? He was about to, but now he's going to at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they grumbled. They are any of us who think that Jesus is blessing the wrong people. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood And I'm not going to preach on this, but when Zacchaeus stands, he's facing all of his insecurities, just so you realize. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Begging the question, not what is salvation, but who is salvation? Since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The word of the Lord. 
Ian, we can just do the text chart, not the graph. There are three experiences in the presence of God that the Lord wants us to have. Three kinds of experiences. And yes, there's probably 10 trillion, but I'm going to say three because we're going to truncate the experience of God. We all understand that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at once. And not just everywhere, he's also every when at once. And if you think you get that, stop and try and confuse yourself. Because we should never think we get these things. We should swim in them. We should explore them. We should wonder about them but we should never lay hold on them. We're never meant to hold truth. We're meant to experience truth, to live in truth, and to have truth lay hold of us. If God is omnipresent, then he's always in three locations. He's always far away because he's omnipresent, which means he's here. But he's also way over there. And if God is way over there and he's also here, that means that he's also always coming towards us. That could be a lot for some of us to think through. If he's everywhere, that doesn't just mean he's close. It also means he's far. And if he's far and he's close, that means he's always bridging the gap from far to close, which means he's always coming toward us. So he's always far, he's always drawing near, and he's always with us. And in that space, those three very simple reduced ideas, the Spirit will always give us one of those experiences for a sanctifying reason. He will allow us to experience the God who's not close to us, who's far. He will allow us to experience the God who's drawing near and he will allow us to experience the God who is so close, he's like bread in our hands. We will fight. We will definitely fight one of those experiences and act like the Spirit would never do that. We will be too fast to get over one of those experiences, and then we will try to control one. So we will always fight the experience of God being far and say, no way. I've been saved a long time. He's here. He's never far. We will try to hurry up the experience of him coming towards us. Like, please get here now. And then like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, we will try to hold and control the experience of him being close and try to never let it go. But God will always bring us through those three experiences, sometimes in a day, sometimes in a minute, sometimes in a year, always in a lifetime. We will cycle through these experiences. In 
Exodus, God said, I'm going to show you my glory, but you can't see my face. And he passed by Moses, and he never stopped. He passed by, and Moses never got to see his face. Moses just got to see the results of his glory, the back, the end result of glory. But he didn't get to see the front of glory. But then when Jesus is walking on water, he meant to pass by them, which means he wants to show them his glory. But the second he sees that they're afraid, this time the glory doesn't keep going. The glory stops and says, take heart, it's me. And he gets into the boat. And he doesn't keep passing by. And then with Zacchaeus, Jesus was passing through Jericho, presumably going someplace else. I looked up the word passing in the Greek. You know what it means? And nobody can do this but a professional. It means passing through. Deep stuff, I know. And then he says to Zacchaeus, what are you doing up there? I, I must, or it's been determined that I'm staying at your house. Like, you never needed to climb up there. I was going to find you and stay at your house. So again, the glory is purposing to go by, but then it sees someone and it stops. So the question is, why didn't it stop for Moses? It didn't stop for Moses because Moses represents, Moses isn't, but Moses represents the law, which is human effort to become righteous before God. And whenever we're using effort thinking that if I could succeed, then God will. And if I fail, then God won't. As long as we're living in that mentality of if I do well, then God will. And if I don't do well, then God won't. If we're living in that mentality, we can't see the front part of his glory, even if we were staring at it. You want to know why? I'm going to tell you. Because the part that Moses couldn't see was Jesus carrying his cross. God said, my glory's going to pass by you. And he walks by Moses carrying his cross, and then he only lets Moses see the results of the resurrection. Because Moses can't look at Jesus on the cross, because Jesus on the cross says, you can't do it yourself. Only I can offer it to you as a gift. And the law doesn't let us see that. But not just the Moses law, the law we live by, the precedents we set for our own self, Salem. We set up our own Levitical code and say, if I do these things right, God will surely bless. And if I do them wrong, he surely won't. And we can't see glory when we're living like that. Because God's glory is, I'm all over you when you get it right. I'm all over you when you get it wrong. I'm all over you in heaven. I'm all over on you when you make your bed in. Yes. These three experiences Zacchaeus has. One, the God who is far reveals the truth of ourself. Whenever God has us in a season where he's making us experience him as not close. Don't fight it. 
it's one of the ways we experience his present as ab- as his presence as absence or distance it's one of the ways if if we didn't experience his present that way we wouldn't have this story because the story of Zacchaeus involves Jesus not being there and then showing up every one of our testimonies involves a moment where God wasn't acting and then did When he's far, our true stinky self is revealed. When he's distant, everything we pull into our life to try to feel him, those are the things he wants us to heal. Though in Zacchaeus' case, God was distant, and what did he do? He got indulged in his career. He got overly indulged in his career, and he began cheating people out of their money to maintain his career because he was trying to fill the void between the God who was distant and all that space. But God let him experience that distance so he could call to the surface the things he wants to heal. So if you're in a season where you can't feel him near you, you ready? It's because he's not letting you so he could call to the surface all the weeds that he wants to pluck when he shows up. Salem, when he shows up. Don't fight that, that season. Don't think there's something wrong with you. It's God letting you be you to show you what he wants to lay his hand on. You could look at it this way. Have you ever met somebody who when they're around a partic- like a kind of person that they respect, all of a sudden they're on such good behavior? And then the minute they're just around you, they're terrible. And you sit there and say, you're always great when you're around so-and-so. We're always great when we're around Jesus. That's why sometimes he doesn't go around us so we can see who we are when he's not around. So we know what he needs to heal. Don't fight it. But he's also omnipresent, so he's also here, right? But he's going to let you experience one of those feelings over the others for a reason. It reveals the truth of self. But then the God who draws close. If you watched Game of Thrones, the line was winter is coming. If you hang out in my life, Christmas is coming. In March. It might be March, but Christmas is coming. The anticipation, the approach, it does something to us. Right? There's nothing more beautiful than an approaching summer thunderstorm. When it gets there, you're like, we should go inside. It's electricity shooting down from the sky at my face. But before that, it's gorgeous. Listen. Approach. I mean, some of you love the approach of your birthday. You treat it like it's your birthday every day until your birthday. We do this. As Jesus began to get closer, all of a sudden Zacchaeus is like, I need to see who he is. There's something about Jesus when he starts to move toward you that grace is already out in front of him landing on your life and it's pulling Zacchaeus into a new experience. All this time, he's just trying to get more money, but now he's like, I need to see this Jesus and I heard he's coming this way. So there's this 
next experience where we know, we just sense in our spirit something's warming up in my life. Something is thawing out in my life. The dawn is breaking the darkness of my life. And you start to feel this sense that something good is happening. It's because you're moving from the experience of absence toward the experience of presence and that anticipation. A, it's the way we live our whole life, waiting for his return, knowing it's coming. It's why we celebrate Advent and Christmas every single year to remind ourselves that he's coming. But it's already pulling Zacchaeus into something new. And watch this. Zacchaeus has some limitations. And he doesn't do one of two things. He doesn't play the victim and just say, I'm just, God, you didn't make me tall enough to see over this crowd. He's like, Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Somebody lift me up above the castle so I can see. If you saw Lord of the Rings, that's funny. If you didn't, you think I'm a weirdo. Both are right. He can't see. And whenever we're faced with our limitations and we're not moving in the arrival of God, we will either be play the victim card and just be like, this is what always happens to me, so I'm just going to get mine no matter what. Or we play the conquering hero and we just move through life with this Christian egoism that's like, be like me or go to hell. But Zacchaeus doesn't do either of those two things. He finds a creative solution. Because the approach of God was already bringing humility to his life. It exposed him. The absence of God exposed him. And the approach of God was beginning to humble him. So he climbs up into a tree. And then God moves him into the third experience, his presence. And Jesus says, why are you up there? Get down. That tree that you're in, I don't want you to be in. Because I need to be on that tree, not you. Salem follow the gospel writers. They're masters at what they're doing. One day, people will say, if you're really the son of God, come down from that tree. And does Jesus come down? Does he come down? No. But he says to us, come off of that. And we scurry on down. Because it's not our job to justify ourselves. It's his job to be our justification. We don't take up the cross of justification. We take up the cross of our neighbor's burden. Jesus carries the cross of justification. So when he says take up your cross, he's saying take it up after he took up his. Let me get on there first. One of my favorite authors, Brad Jersak, uh, one, of, one, of one of his fellow colleagues always says to him whenever he gets into like a... Uh, you know, some kind of, I can't believe this is happening to me complex. They say, Brad, get off the cross. We need the wood. There's a, time, there's a kind of cross that we need to come down from. And it's the cross where we justify ourselves or we avoid what's happening. Jesus is on that one. We take up the cross of our neighbor's burden. When I pick up my cross, it's got Paul's burden on it. It's got Rob's burden on it. It's got Tim's burden on it. So he says, come down. I'm coming to your house. Your house is now my home. And Zacchaeus invites him in. 
Do you see this? The welcome of God is what draws hospitality out of us. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I see you, I know you, come down, I'm coming to your house. And Zacchaeus joyfully accepts him because we would never have the welcoming spirit of hospitality if Christ doesn't welcome us first. But when Jesus says, I want to come to your house, it pulls hospitality out of us. We always have people over our homes because we think we need to minister to them. But in this case, the guest was the one ministering to the one who opened his home. I don't just need you at my house because I want to minister to you. I need you at my house because you minister to me. Do you see the reciprocity of this? And Jesus doesn't teach at Zacchaeus' house. He doesn't run a ministry. Jacqueline and I have been saying this, and we're going to keep saying it. More important, I'm not saying these other things aren't, more important than life transformation groups and book clubs and Bible studies is organic friendship. More important. Jesus doesn't teach a thing. And Zacchaeus is like, um, yeah, I've cheated like 10,000 people out of taxes. And they're all like, yeah, we know you did. And he's like, um, the law says I have to pay it back double. I'm going to pay it back fourfold. Because something just showed up at my house that makes me want to rewind and make wrong things right. What did Jesus teach on? Jesus sat down and ate. It's not always about teaching. It's not always about witnessing. It's not always about saying his name. It's about being with each other in the name of Jesus. And where was Jesus going? Jericho. And in this moment with Zacchaeus, walls fell. Jericho walls came down. But this time, not the falling of walls so that the Israelites could pillage and conquer But Jesus takes walls down for better reasons than Joshua did. Jesus takes walls down to enter and heal. Not to conquer and move on. To heal. So he puts us through these three experiences. Some of you are experiencing the divine absence of God in your life. It's a grace so that what needs to heal comes to the surface. Some of you are sensing the anticipation that I'm in a rough spot, but something is happening. That's to get you to start looking around and being creative and seeing what is around you that can help you see him more clearly. And some of you are in a season where his home is now your home, and the answer isn't to lock him in, The answer is to be blessed by him in a way that immediately makes you turn towards your neighbor and bless them and say, I may have been wrong. Every one of us has a person in our life that could use a phone call with our apology on the other end of it. Every one of us does. All y'all have a person in your life 
that could have a phone call with you saying, I love you, and not if I would, and I did some things, and I want you over for dinner so that I can make up for it. Now, please, God, be adults. There are people you probably shouldn't call and have them over for dinner. You know what I mean. But don't fight these experiences and don't control them. He's bringing us like children through a repetitious cycle of discipleship and just wants us to feel the absence so that it causes us to see our true self. He wants us to feel the anticipation of his arrival and find creative solutions to limitations that we have. And he wants us to invite him into our homes so that we can be touched like we said last week and there could be shared deliverance. As Zacchaeus was delivered, so were all the people he cheated. It's not just a personal experience. It should flow out of us. I don't know like a river of life flowing out of me, as the song goes. I'm going to close, listen to our feet as I close here. Another miraculous moment where the prayer book I use every Sunday morning just seems to be so in line with what the Spirit is saying. I'm going to read this prayer to you once and then show you what it meant to me this morning. Here's what it says on its own. Your cross, Jesus, remains like a tree on a hill. You show me where I am. You take away my fear and set me on my course again. Help me to watch for you night and day. It's a beautiful prayer. Now, I put, I, then I, I took this ancient prayer and I put my own sermon notes on it. Look, your cross, Jesus, remains like a tree on a hill. That's the glory of God. You show me where I am, God who is far, revealing who we are. You take my fear away, God who draws close. You set me on my course again, God who is near. Help me to watch for you night and day. That's the season of Advent we're weeks away from. Set me on my course again. I'm going to go off course. Set me on my course again. I'm going to wander away from you. Let that absence show me something that needs to be healed so maybe I stop wandering. Take away my fear. This is not the kind of fear that you have, like, I don't know, when you watch The Ring or something. It's the kind of fear that we all have that we're going to lose ourselves because of what's happening around us. That's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of losing ourselves and not knowing who we are anymore and being defined by things that aren't who we're supposed to be. And in that, he's saying, fear not, it is I. I'm walking in your storm I'm coming to your boat, and I'm going to bring you to the other side. And when we get there, we're going to heal people there. In Orthodox churches, this is when they do announcements, 
and because we leave room for the Spirit the way we do, I'm going to give announcements right now really quick, and then we're going to come to the table of the Lord. If you're new here, you already know. The Lord showed up today. Welcome. Check out the Christmas table. Sign up if you want to help with the Christmas gala. It's kind of a big deal. We're helping to fight human trafficking. So a little help literally goes a long way. Next week, children grades uh, ages 3 through 12 are going to be in the service next week. Thanksgiving testimonies after church begin now. So there will be a person with a camera down, you know, on our patio down there. And bless us, bless me by letting us know how good your year has been. I'm going to talk about the little piggy who ate roast beef who might have to get clipped. We don't know. <laughs> God. I don't even know. Please just, I, 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 listen, if you're not going to, if you don't like being in front of the camera, can you do it for me? Can you, it'll, it'll prop up my spirits to hear some nice Thanksgiving testimonies this year. Thanksgiving baskets, I think it's very clear that the Bible says there's one thing I was eager to do, and that's remember the poor. Listen, hurt yourself financially to give to the poor. You'll never hear me say that about anything else this church ever needs. I'm never going to say hurt yourself financially, give till it hurts, about any of the first world stuff that we got. But when it comes to feeding the poor, put a dent in your wallet. There's spiritual warfare that goes on in our view of ourselves and in our view of our home. So sign up for this coming Saturday so that Jacqueline and I could lead us in a discussion and some prayer about who we really are and what our homes are really meant to be. And now we can come to the table. Lord Jesus, forgive us of our sins right now. Would you just silently confess your sins to the Lord? Lord Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took bread. And when you had given thanks, you held up the bread. And you said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, eat this bread in remembrance of me. And after supper, you took the cup of wine. And after giving thanks, you said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink from it, drink in remembrance of me. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would descend on this bread and make it for your people the body and blood of Jesus, the food and drink of new and unending life in him. And sanctify us also that we may receive this meal in faith and leave here anointed to be the body of Christ for the world around us, staring Goliath directly in the eyes, allowing you to expose what needs healing, finding creative solutions to keep being able to see you and receiving you into our home to bless us, to bless others. We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, I'm going to ask Elder Ron and Elder George. Is Elder George here? 
There you are. I'm so used to seeing you over there. I'm going to ask Elder Ron and Elder George to come. You can receive on this side if you're on this side of the room, this side on this side of the room. Would you continue to worship with us this morning? Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.